Thank you. So, as um, Graham said, we're starting a new uh, sermon series uh, in the 4 p.m. service um, called Living Wisely with James. Uh, and so, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking uh, at the letter of James together. Now, I think the letters in the New Testament are great because they're generally fairly short. Um, and they're easy to read and quick to read. And also, they address really practical problems and issues. Um, so let's begin with, with prayer. Lord Jesus, as we start the sermon series on James, we ask for your blessing, your favor. Open our ears to your word. Open our hearts to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, so why are we looking at um, the letter of James? Well, the letter um, is addressed to the, the young Christian church, uh, and it's intensely practical. Um, some of the issues which uh, James talks about will, I think, help us uh, now, 2,000 years later. Um, James uh, was a leader in the, in the church, and so he was a pastor. He was a, a vicar, um, and so his concerns were pastoral concerns about the people that he was leading, um, the people in the new Christian church. Now, others over the next few weeks are going to uh, unpack the letter in, in greater depth, and, and my purpose really um, this afternoon is simply to provide a, an, an overview of the letter. Um, to look at, to, to highlight some of the, the key issues that, that James looks at. Um, if you like, it's to sort of provide a roadmap um, for where um, we will probably be going over the coming weeks. Now, I don't know if you, any of you drive or use a sat-nav. Um, I find them great. They're really helpful if you're in a city that you don't know um, and you need to know whether you've got to turn left or right at the traffic lights or whatever, they're not so good um, if you're on the motorway and there's a motorway closure and you've got to decide which route you're going to take because the sat-nav doesn't really give you an overview of, of your route and where you're going. Um, and that's what I want to do this afternoon, to, to encourage you uh, in your own time to, to go away and to, to read the letter of James um, for yourselves um, and to reflect on it um, and so that we can... Um, read it and study it uh, together over the, the coming weeks. So first of all, who, who was this guy, James, who was, who was writing this letter? Well, those who, who study these things and have, have looked into it um, pretty much all come to the uh, conclusion that James was James, the brother of Jesus. Um, he wasn't one of the 12 apostles, um, but he grew up with Jesus, obviously, he was a younger brother. Um, and James came to prominence in the early church. Uh, the Apostle Paul mentions James uh, in his letter to the church in Galatia. and He describes James there as an apostle. Um, and so it seems that, that after Jesus' death and resurrection, uh, James, along with, with Simon Peter, had become one of the key leaders in the early church uh, in Jerusalem. And indeed, as far as we know, James uh, stayed in Jerusalem. Um, and because of what was happening at, at that time, he would have lived through famine and poverty um, and persecution. And indeed, James was martyred um, by beheading uh, in AD 62. 
So that's James. So it's very much a pastoral letter about pastoral concerns. But who was he writing to? At the, op the opening of the letter, which we, we haven't read this morning, um, it tells us that James was writing to the 12 tribes scattered uh, among the nations, the 12 tribes of, of Israel. And so, in other words, it, he was writing to the Jewish people, um, the, the Christians who had become Jews, um, who were living in exile in the Roman Empire, um, living in different nations around the Mediterranean and, and maybe beyond. Um, and so, the recipients of James's letter were, whether by choice uh, or necessity, incomers in foreign lands. They were immigrants, migrants. Um, and uh, James's letter isn't, un you know, is unlike many of the letters of Paul, it's not written to one particular church, it's written to all these um, Jewish Christians. Now, we know from the book of Acts of the Apostles that there was an explosive growth of the church in Jerusalem. Uh, and yet, times were very turbulent. There was a lot of uh, opposition. Again, the book of Acts tells us that there was a huge amount of persecution of the early Christians, the early church. Um, and, and so James would have experienced that. Um, and uh, perhaps the, the, the persecution would have caused this dispersion of um, Jewish believers around the Roman Empire as they sought to escape um, from uh, Jerusalem and uh, surrounding lands. And so um, as believers in Jesus, as Jewish believers in Jesus, the early church was very much... Um, a, 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 um, a minority within a minority in the Roman Empire. And so they would have faced many tricky questions, you know, issues of identity, who are we? Choices about lifestyle and um, practice, how do we live our lives um, when others are living in a different way? Decisions about you know, adapting into a host community uh, and obviously concerns for mutual support. And James's letter shows an acute awareness of social divisions um, and uh, economic divisions as well. And, and he tends to suggest that friendship with the world uh, is at odds with uh, allegiance to God. Now, the letter is relatively short. It's five chapters. Um, and those chapters contain sort of various sort of pithy little sayings that are quite easy um, to remember, teachings on, on how to do life. And in fact, the, the letter of James is very similar to the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, which again is a book with pithy little sayings on how to do life well. And um, James you know, sees the world, as I said, as sort of alien to God, um, that it's the way the world moves is uh, out of step, out of rhythm with God's way of life and way of working. And so he suggests that, that investing a loyalty into um, the world systems will feed our sense of entitlement. Uh, it'll narrow our horizons of prayer. It'll result, can result in our neighbor becoming a competitor and a threat rather than a person to whom we should show love and compassion and care. 
He's concerned that if we tie ourselves to the world, then we'll be tempted to speak harshly and unkindly, that we'll become selfish um, and indifferent to our neighbor's needs. You know, for James, he wants us to find wholeness and integrity. And so that begins, starts with us turning towards God. You know, through turning to God, we can begin to learn new habits of, of reconciliation and repair, that we can reshape and renew our lives uh, in this damaged and uh, destructive world. And so, so we as individuals and corporately as the church, we need to develop healthy and good habits and practices so that we can do life well. Now, it's slightly unfortunate that the letter of James gets a bit of a bad press, uh, and this is largely due to a chap called Martin Luther in the time of the Reformation back in the, uh, the Middle Ages. Um, Luther was responsible for the break of the church away from uh, the Roman, uh, from the Pope, um, and uh, so and sort of established the Protestant church, protesting against uh, the Roman Catholic church. Uh, so he was very influential, and he didn't like the letter of James at all. He called it a right strawy epistle, a, right, a letter of straw, um, because he felt there was very little theology in the letter of James, you know, that it was more practical wisdom. Um, and there's nothing wrong with practical wisdom, particularly if you're a pastor. And, and it is true that if you read, or when you read the letter of James, you'll discover that Jesus is only named twice um, in the entire letter. But as you read it, you can see that it's clearly influenced by the Old Testament book of Proverbs, as I've mentioned before, um, by his uh, frequent use of the word wisdom, which we, we heard in the, in the second reading just now. And Luther so really misses the point that underlying everything that James teaches and talks about is the teaching of Jesus that we find uh, in the Gospels, particularly uh, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel and the Sermon on the Plain in Luke's uh, gospel. So even if Jesus isn't expressly mentioned, Jesus is there right in the very heart of the letter. And James also refers to the Old Testament law, uh, referring to books of the Old Testament such as Leviticus and, and Deuteronomy. In fact, James speaks of the perfect law, the law of freedom, the royal law. And his main teaching is to be found in chapters 2, 3, 4 and, and 5. And he talks about various things. Um, there are sort of 12 key teachings, really. Um, so he talks about true love and what real faith is and how we use words, how we use our language. He talks about not judging others, uh, about the dangers of wealth, about enduring hardship for the sake of the gospel, and about prayer. And I suppose, as a, as a very brief summary of um, the letter, you probably can't do better than to, to use Jesus' summary of the law and the prophets. Uh, in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus said that the, the summary of the Old Testament basically is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. 
And that's really what James is trying to unpack. Um, so chapter one is a sort of a summary of, of what's to come in the letter. Um, and then chapters two to five um, go into a little bit more detail. But one of the key things we find in the letter is this idea that James introduces of completeness and perfection. And it runs right through um, the letter. And James says that being complete, uh, being perfect uh, in Christ is something that we should all strive for. Because we are as sort of fractured, broken, double-minded people, we don't do what we ought to do. We often do what we know we shouldn't do. Uh, we're inconsistent, we're not integrated um, at the very core of our being and we need to train ourselves um, through the, the Holy Spirit uh, and prayer to behave in more loving and compassionate ways. Now James speaks much of, of wisdom but he also addresses social issues, you know, particularly about how we treat the poor, uh, about justice uh, and mercy. Um, and the wisdom that James talks about is of a really practical quality. It's to be lived out in the way that we speak and listen to each other. And um, you know, he's, as I said, he's very concerned with the way that we use our tongue. Um, he reflects a, a really strong Jewish tradition. He talks about being quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And he talks about the tongue being a fire. Um, and then James... So makes these points, but he often sort of leaves us hanging a bit, um, a bit like Jesus. He makes a point, and then he expects us to join the dots and work out for ourselves how we're to uh, apply things. Um, and he says that um, what we say, the things we say become the things that we do, and then the things that we do become the people that we are, our behavior. That, that the way we behave can lead to habits, and those habits can be good habits or bad habits. And so James encourages us to uh, acquire habits of wholeness, um, wholeness that will, will lead to our perfection, our completion uh, in Christ. Uh, and three particular habits, I think, stand out. Not having favorites, speaking well, and caring for one another. So for, with regard to sort of favoritism, not, not having favorites, James assumes that his readers are meeting together as a community of faith. Um, and, and whilst this is vital for our spiritual growth, um, when we get into relationship with others, um, we uh, can get into difficulties when we say the wrong thing, um, when we judge people. Um, and and, and, and James says that like judging appearances is wholly incompatible with the, the kingdom of God. Um, and you know, Jesus himself wasn't particularly attractive. Um, he was a rural rabbi. He wasn't part of the, uh, uh, the elite uh, in Jerusalem. Um, Jesus blessed the poor. Um, it was the poor, he said, um, to whom the kingdom of God belonged. You know, James himself would have witnessed an abuse of power by, the, spirit, by the, uh, the elite in Jerusalem with the persecutions that the early church was suffering. Um, he would have seen how power, uh, how wealth and money 
uh, and power can corrupt people. But overall, we're to be motivated by love. Um, and uh, in Israel's law, in Leviticus, it's notable that there is a ban on showing favoritism just before the command that we are to love our neighbor. And so loving our neighbor involves treating people fairly, sharing our resources together. Speaking well is another habit of wholeness. If, if our life comes from God's word, our words are, um, too should be full of God's goodness. Now, James's teaching is really practical. He tells his listeners to, to use words carefully and peaceably and honestly, supportively and simply. He warns against anger and impatience and, and envy. We need to be quick to listen, slow to, ang- slow to speak and slow to anger. You know, because... The implanted word of God in us as Christians, the spirit of Jesus, needs a good soil um, for us to develop our characters. And the tongue is a bit like a weather vane, that what we say, what comes out of our mouths, can be a pretty good indication of what's going on um, in our hearts. The tongue has great influence. It can do great things, but it can also cause great damage as perhaps we have all discovered. And James calls on us to care for one another. He has much to say about pastoral care as a church family. We belong to each other. We're dependent on each other. We're to look out for each other. The joys and sorrows of one belong to us all. Later on in the letter, James says, Are any among you suffering? Pray for one another that you may be healed. And the you may be healed there, the you there is plural. It's you as us as a community that are healed. And so wholeness is a quality um, that we need to pursue together as a community. You know, we might ask for care and support because of an individual problem, and the church can come and, and, and help us, but the church can also sustain us in our Christian walk. You know, James challenges the church to, to respond to suffering by moving towards it with mercy and concern rather than stepping away in fear and um, aversion. Um, you know, care is given and prayer is offered by people who know the person who's asking for prayer, because we know each other. Um, Prayer makes a difference. And as we develop these habits of wholeness, James says we need to make sure that we have the right perspective on these things, on our life. So he's sort of encouraging us to to think about our spirituality. Um, And he encourages us to have God's perspective um, God's perspective on our, on our troubles, God's perspective on our wealth, if we have any. Um, and uh, the early church, as I said, was being persecuted. Um, early Christians um, suffered great trauma and trials. And, he, and, he, and James tells us that, that trials can be external. So um, the Roman Empire or the Jewish community persecuting the church, uh, and that can be tough to deal with 
But it can also mean the internal trials that go on within us as we experience life and how we respond um, to the testing that comes from uh, difficult uh, situations. You know, what is our moral resolve? Where, where do we go with those things? Do we turn to the church? Do we turn to Jesus? You know, our lives, our inner lives can often be conflict zones um, as we're challenged. Um, and uh, James says that the church needs to be a place where we can share those burdens. And James says, as we, as we go through those test, that testing and those trials, we, we learn endurance, and through endurance, we become these people who are complete in Christ. And as we, as we go through life, we make choices. And James says we need to, to uh, bring our choices before God. Um, we need to um, realize that uh, there are uh, forces that are at work in the world uh, seeking to prevent us making good, godly choices. He talks about desires, um, about uh, sin, uh, and how those can lead to death, but then encourages us that there's another sort of trinity, if you like, um, that rather than desire and sin, we have the word, the gospel, um, and we have wisdom. And if we rely on the word and wisdom, then um, that will lead us to, um, to new birth, um, to uh, new life, to, to growth in Christ. And James warns us against being double-minded um, about, um, because if we're double-minded, if we always have one foot in the world and one foot in the church and we're not quite sure which and we flip-flop, then um, we will be uh, unstable. And so, um, and, he, and he also talks about um, how we view what sort of money and resources we have, um, realizing that they are um, not things that we can take with us when we die, that they're not important. They're helpful, they're useful, um, but it's not the be-all and the end-all. Money and wealth don't define who we are. Christ defines who you and I are. And so, a very brief overview of James. Um, in conclusion, the letter of James helps us to understand what love of our neighbor looks like in action. You know, the letter of James is about how to build the moral character of the community that is the church. You know, we don't live life as uh, autonomous individuals, but in a supportive, interdependent community in which we can confess our transgressions, receive forgiveness, be restored to faith, in, in our faith. You know, the church is a place where we can take, uh, use, um, oh, sorry, our trials uh, as we go through life can be stepping stones to growth. As we face trials, we make godly choices based on the word and on wisdom. And with such wealth and possessions as we have, 
they become not a source of division and competition, but a tool for building the church uh, and the kingdom. That, very briefly, is what James is about. And we'll learn more about those things in the coming weeks.